So you got up really early, didn't you? A 3.30. Started work on the running order. I like keenness, but I think that might be taking it to <laughs> slight extremes. You know, you know, sometimes when you wake up and you know, you just know you're wide awake and there's yes. not a chance. So I've yes. learned now, get up and do an hour's work. And generally I get very cold yeah. and then uh, go back to bed, cuddle my radiator who I share a bed with and, <laughs> and yeah, I fall back to nice. sleep. <laughs> it's mutually beneficial because she's always too hot now. So that, that, that seems to work fine. It's good. But, you know, it's like I lie awake getting angry about Shane's email to us. Just getting angrier and angrier at it. uh, Why? Well, you'll find out why when we share it later, obviously. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's something to look forward to, isn't it? (laughs) Should we start? Um... Uh, hello. <laughs> Brilliant. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Midface Crisis, episode 109. Um, my name, Nick Page. Him, name, Joe Davis. <laughs> it's I think you've forgotten how to do introductions. <laughs> <laughs> You're presupposing I ever knew. I think it's, I think it's become a reflex now. I, I don't like starting it. It's, uh, I just feel un, uncertain. Because I do sort of know the number, I suppose. It's on yeah. the top of the sheet in front of me. Yes, I know that I but prepare I for just, you at 3.30 in the morning. I think I just panic slightly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, good. This is going to be a, high, a top-notch production, I can, I can, yeah, I can tell. tell. So um, how are you, apart from, you know, yeah. awake and angry? Apparently. Oh, no, I don't, well, I'm good. You know, I'm loving this extra space to be creative, to read, to meditate, to connect with God, you know, seeing the okay, beauty. Okay, and how are you really? Oh, yeah, no, no well, you wanted, oh, you wanted the truth. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, you, didn't, you didn't say that. I thought you were saying, how yeah. are you? <laughs> I'm no. fine. Well, it didn't sound like you, what you just said. No, I, I mean, <laughs> well, you know, I guess I'm like everyone. I'm genuinely struggling to concentrate. That's what I can't get my head around. I just, I'm distracted the whole time. I'm having to be as disciplined as I can be with media because the phone goes ping all the time and, you know, just... But I really am struggling to concentrate on anything for any length of time. So, genuinely, I think, oh, there's so many lovely things I could do. There's things I could do in the garden. I bought paint before this all started so I could paint the house, you know. And it's like, when it comes to it, I I can't focus on getting started and I think I you know the social media is a mixed blessing isn't it because like I sometimes I join in with all the happy things that are going on it's a really nice distraction other times I actually can't bear it it's like Mm. I need to be left alone to grieve and I think I recognize these feelings you know that feeling of heaviness not being able to concentrate low you know I recognize what this is this is grief this is definitely grief what what are you grieving I think just... This just, is a nice, light-hearted just, start to the show. Know, <laughs> so let's go here anyway. Yeah, what, are you, what are you grieving? Just I'm, not, in, I'm, I'm interested. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. It's, it's the loss, the loss of all the freedoms, the loss yeah. of being able to go out, the loss of being with yeah, friends. Yeah. I mean, obviously not, you know, but not you, but, you know, other no, other people oh, who I'm close to. Actual, like, actual friends, <laughs> yes. You know, so, so, yes, it's all that stuff, and uh, it is very similar to grieving someone actually and also you know i've done some funerals recently and and they're, they're 
I mean, I think I've done a good job. You know, you do the best job you can. But they're they're horrible in a way. Yesterday, I did a funeral for a guy. Um, and, you know, the widower sat on the front row on his own. And mm. his daughter sat with her partner at the back of the chapel on the right. And his son with his partner on the left of the chapel. And that was it. Mm. And, they, you know, the, the Kremlin won't webcast these at the moment. They won't do that anymore because of some technical reason so yeah it's just it feels very sad I mean I still think it's really important for those there and they were lovely and they're very grateful but I wanted to hug them all yes yes, <laughs> yes. touchy-feely but you know it's yeah it's it's strange isn't it and I got the first coronavirus funeral to do next week which I hope won't be the first of many but I got a bad feeling all the while funerals are going and lots of people are opting not to have a funeral, uh, which you can't mm. can't blame them for, really. Um, yeah, it's strange time. Anyway, sorry that was that was an overly uh, long and uh, waffly thing. Sorry, you've been on holiday. <laughs> How are yes, you? It's been. You had a great time. Well, at least your at least your holiday was by the seaside. Yes, That's it was. At home, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm all right. I'm. I think I've. It's that's really interesting hearing what you're saying there because I think. You know, naturally being slightly introverted, for me, this is not a tough time at the moment. No. I mean, it has its irksome bits, but, yeah. you know, I hadn't really appreciated, I think, that mm. what that's going to mean to people who get their energy from meeting mm. and who who are very, like you, and mm. some might say an overly touchy-feely person. <laughs> you know, yeah. Generally, <laughs> want to rebuke you on that one. But... Um, <laughs> So it is. It is tough. I think. I think it is tough. And I think you should be allowed to grieve. So you know, yeah, it's good you've recognised that. Really, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm all right. I'm okay. I uh, I I've uh, been just spending a week off, basically. You know, just um, well, I haven't been spending a week off because I always do a bit of mm. you know writing and stuff like that. And yeah, whatever I'm doing. Yes, it's it's odd. It is very strange. It, I agree. It's very it's strange, and I do want to say here's a big message for any listeners who are struggling to concentrate. You know, please speak kindly to yourself at the mm. moment. Oh, yeah. You know, if you yeah. you know, go easy on yourself. Like, so, you know, some people's self talk is so horrible, isn't it? You know, I'm such an idiot. Blah 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 blah. Well, yeah. You know, I, I really urge you to stop that <laughs> and yes. and remind yourself how wonderful you are. And preferably get those around you too, if you have anyone. <laughs> yes, and give yourself permission to um, to limit concentration. I mean, that's what I find. Yeah. I find that quite a lot, actually. To be honest, as I've got older, I find it much harder to concentrate. I, wow. I used to be able to do it for yes. hours on end. It felt like that. Probably wasn't doing it so well. But um, I think if you can if you can put in two hours of deep concentrated work a day, you, yeah, you're doing really that's well. That's pretty good. Actually. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I don't think you should. I don't think most of us should feel bad about that. And of course, but the problem is in this life that we've got now is that the other bits that sort of leaven the concentration, the social interaction, you know, the bits mm. talking about the, around the water cooler mm. moments or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, work, just meeting other people in general conversation, yeah. they're not there. So what we've got yeah. is this space and that's making us feel like we should fill it with with productive yeah, time exactly. kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you can't. I don't think you can. And also no. my whole routine is like I will sit down and write a funeral, for example, and then I walk around the block. 
you know, I do. I just, just right. like, just my habit. Yes. So you yes. know, the, the you're neighbors not allowed must wonder what on that. earth is going on. No, exactly. I go out once a day. You know, to that plus yes. plus, I can, I I'm allowed to go out because officially celebrants are key workers. Did you know that? I'm a key worker. No, well, I, of course you are a key worker. It's not a very glamorous one, but... No, it's not glamorous, but it's extremely important. I don't think I deserve the clap the way um, NHS workers <laughs> do, perhaps. <laughs> I, I, there's so, so many answers to that, actually. But, uh... <laughs> Listeners abroad, we go out on Thursday nights at eight o'clock, at least we have done for the past two weeks, to applaud, well, firstly, NHS yes. workers, but also I was really pleased to expand it to shop workers and... People like that, just, the, you know, the unsung heroes normally who are just yeah. keeping the country going. God bless you all. So let me tell you something. Let me give you something, Joe, that will lighten your life straight away. And Good. will give you two and something hours of just joy. Yes. And that is the National Theatre have started doing um, free streaming of a play a week oh, really? on YouTube. Wow. Last night's was the first one. It was one man, two governors, featuring oh, really? James Corden uh, from all quite a while back. It's a fantastic. I'd love to just, see that. Uh, it's so funny. It is so brilliant. I would love to see that. Can you still get it? And, oh yeah, so I think it it's live. on for a week. It's on for a week on YouTube. So, oh, so I order you as your physician. I'm not technically a doctor, as you know. No, but you, I like you it are doesn't to stop me. me prescribing things for people. Um, <laughs> Because I, I like to think there are no such things as experts. Uh, and uh, so I prescribe you, one man, two governors, it, you, will, you will laugh a lot. You'll love it. It's like, absolutely great. brilliant. No, uh, thank you. And it's joyous. And it's set in, it's, um, it, I don't want to put you off because it's a, tra- it's a, it's a rewrite, a complete rewrite of an 18th century play, I think. No, I'm that's wonderful. Yeah, but but no, but it, a bit set in Brighton in the fifties. Hey. So it's full of skiffle music as well. It's great. <laughs> you love it. Oh, that's good. So yeah. just just Google National Theatre. I'll put a link up in the show notes. Oh, you I'll, are a good man. I'll send you your own handcrafted link. Thank you. And you saying there's it. no such thing as experts reminds me that you, you and Trump have so much in common. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we both like orange. <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing orange this one. Do you know what the other thing that's tiring about this time, I think, or that makes it difficult, is that it, what, I've, what I'm interested I need to think about this more, maybe come back to it, is that suddenly I've realised how much of life is a moral choice. Mm. We're suddenly being presented with the mor- the morality of everything that we do. So I go and find. I I, I had to find eggs. Eggs mm. are like mm. you know heroin around here. There's no eggs. Right. You know you have to kind of set it up with a dealer, a local dealer, <laughs> and come and meet you in you know the car park and deliver you half a dozen eggs. No, you know they're like they have been no egg. And I suddenly right. found eggs the other day on the shelf, and I thought, how many do I buy? Yeah. What's the moral choice? How how what is yeah sure uh, our one bit of exercise how how much else am i allowed to do yeah you know kind of i think it's it's really presenting us with the 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 implicate the, the, the fact that m- most of what we do which we never think about is a moral choice yeah you know and it, yeah. ha- it affects other people and now we're having to think about all those kind of choices you know yes. what, and I think that gets a bit tiring, to be honest. Yeah. But it, but it's also interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it really anyway. is. Oh, well anyway, how well, many eggs did you buy, though? I mean, I've got to ask. I bought a dozen because that's what I would normally yeah, buy. Yeah, that that sounds. Well, and very I live fair. in a house full of vegetarians now, and they eat eggs. Do they? 
Uh, not yeah. vegans, good, yes. No, they're not vegans, no, yeah. no. No, they eat a lot of eggs, so, you know, there you go. Hey, hey, so here's the good news. Um, go tonight, uh, we've all, four of us have ordered the same two bottles of red wine, and we all mm-hmm. have the same two bottles of red, and we're going to do a Zoom wine tasting. That's a brilliant idea. So just two. <laughs> so <great>. there you go. <laughs> Obviously, we didn't get six bottles, because you, you then have two open bottles of red wine, right, which yeah. uh, should last me, theoretically, two weeks. It's not going to happen. I give it 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so um, shall we move on? We're going to have an interview in this show with yes. uh, a, a mutual friend, Dave Hopwood. Yeah, who uh, was going to talk a lot about Phil. So I thought it'd be right up yeah. your oh, alley. This is an lovely interview guy. I recorded at um, Lee Abbey some some weeks back now. Um, yeah, uh, but before that, we, should we have a couple of feedback moments? Yes, yeah, yeah. You yeah, better yeah. deal okay. with Shane at some point. Given that he's made hmm, you so angry. I don't even know if I can bring myself to read his email. It makes me angry. Anyway, anyway. Anyway. (laughs) no, I'm joking. Uh, Helen says this. Hi, Joe, just writing to tell you that you're not alone in naming birds. In our family, we don't name all types of birds, but when we see a robin, we always call it Alan, (laughs) which I like. We used to have a kind elderly neighbour called Alan who would just love to see our children. He would show us around his beautiful garden and tell us how he would watch the birds, and he especially delighted in a robin, which would often come and visit him. Alan reached 100 years old, which we celebrated with a street party, and he sadly died the following year. We were fortunate enough to buy his house and make it into our family home, and so every time we see a robin, it's named Alan in memory of our lovely neighbour, Alan. Isn't that great? And he said, yeah, uh, and Helen says, thanks so much for your latest podcast, mulling over how we respond to the coronavirus crisis. I've travelled through many emotions over the past few weeks, as I'm sure everyone has. One feeling is of guilt, guilt that I'm not a key worker of any description, And as we have four children who are now all at home all the time, I'm not in any position to really offer any extra help to those that might need it. I'm just so tired all the time. I'm thankful for all we have, a safe home, a garden. Both my husband and I have secure jobs. We're all healthy and not in any risk category and so much more, but also feel guilty for it. I've come back to something I heard a little while ago. The context was when you feel... When you might feel burdened in church because so many things are asked of you, get involved in this project. Bake a cake for that event. Read the Bible more. Pray harder, etc. But rather than feel overloaded with doing so much stuff, we could just focus on what we are doing normally every day and simply ask, how can I do this task in a more loving way? So in our current situation, I'm asking myself, what is the most loving thing I can do at this time? And the resounding answer is, stay at home. It feels so wrong and contrary to all that I think I should be doing now, but uh, it is the most loving thing to do. My heart breaks for all those people so badly affected by this situation, and I feel so powerless to do anything. I'm paralysed by the enormity of it all. But then I also see that I might be able to do some small things as well. Organise a street WhatsApp support group, buy some milk for a neighbour, write a letter to someone on their own, keep in touch with friends which are perhaps just as valuable and loving as what our health workers, supermarket workers, etc. are doing for us. We're definitely all in it together, and I hope we will come out of this having learnt some important lessons about community and valuing others. I've also started writing a journal, which under normal circumstances I would hate. Sorry, Nick, maybe it's my lack of quality stationery and pens. Mm, (laughs) Almost certainly. (laughs) But I have found it strangely calming, like I don't have to hold on to all my emotions in my head. Uh, in a big jumble. Once they're on the page, I can just let go of them a little bit and feel a bit lighter inside. Thank you, as always, for podcasting. Helen. That's very nice. Thank you, Oh, it's lovely. Yes, uh, that is what journaling can do, and it's amazing what what 
comes out. This I hear this all the time. People yeah. say, "Oh, you know, I'm not a writer. I'm not a journalist." Yeah. And then they start, and it really helps. You know, I I, I don't understand why I don't do it more because I find it so therapeutic. Like writing mm. down the emotions, writing down this because you genuinely do feel lighter when it's mm. on paper. But so why I don't habitually do it, I don't know. I just struggle. Instantly on the subject of naming birds. Um, I, I just felt I should update you on Woody and Wilma because there's been oh, some yes. important developments in the Go whole then. addiction thing. It is now officially Woody and Wilma and Wendy. There are, there are threesome. Oh, this is They're trying to make it work. Suburban. I know it's not traditional marriage, but we just have to expand our views of marriage. And I don't know means. if I can go there, Joe. I, I'm very much on the traditional Christian uh, wood pigeon <laughs> well, kind of... One male wood pigeon you know, and one female wood pigeon. Kind yes, of. yes, yeah, indeed. Well. They've very much been, should be together for life. <laughs> yeah, well, they seem to be making it work. Did okay. You down in the wilds of Worthing. <laughs> no, yeah. You know, I think your standards are slipping, I'll be honest. Front line of modern birding relationships. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right. So, um, okay, on to the, the email from Shane in mm. Australia. Actually, it was an absolutely fantastic, if extremely long email. I, I would like time to read it all, but it would take the rest of the show. So what I, I want to know before we start, actually, let's yes. let's get it over with. Why? Why? What made you irritated within? The because email? the whole way through the email, at every single opportunity, he chose to talk about how Australia won the Ashes over ah, okay. and over and over again. He did it deliberately. And the gall of it all, he sent a photo of the winning <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He rubbed that. Shane, really, you, you, you don't want to make powerful enemies. I'm telling you, no, Shane. No. <laughs> anyway, it was, it was a really lovely uh, and wonderful email. Thank you so much, mate. And he says this. In such a short time, the world has been thrown off its axis. I saw a great quote this week that from 2020 onwards, we will divide time in popular culture into a new binary world before Corona BC and after Corona AC. <laughs> and he goes on to say it's been a, a tough year. Um, and like I say, tons of pictures and references to Australia winning the ashes, which we're not going to talk about. He also reflected on the healing episodes that we've been doing and how when his daughter was five, she had a major bleed on the brain. Uh, caused by a large tumour and how they nearly lost her sort of many times over the right. next four years and he, that whole conundrum of why did she live when at the time other kids around her were dying and you know it's just a lot yeah. of thing anyway he says today I listened to episode 108 which was fitting as I left self-isolation to walk in nature I like Nick find self-isolation easy to do he says, I feel for your wife at this time, Joe. I think I would have to drug you or shoot you. <laughs> He's obviously I've, been talking Shane, to her. <laughs> Shane, excuse me, I feel that about Joe most of the time. <laughs> yeah, great. He, said, <laughs> he says, I've listened to all 108 episodes, some multiple times, and have sent li links to many people in my life still waiting for my commission income. Well, keep waiting. He says, you talked recently about the community, and this is one reason why I hope you will continue. I feel, despite you both being Englishmen, who are part of a nation that lost the ashes. Oh. <laughs> he says, you've managed to forge a web of relationships that have allowed many people to express safely their struggles with their faith and church community. You've done this through honesty, expressing your own struggles and just being real. OK, Joe, sometimes you're a bit too real. Nipple infection, case in point. Oh, yes. That and was, then, that, and was then a, he, that was a misjudgment. Yeah, I know. It was, I should yeah. have edited it out. <laughs> yes, well, stop it. He then lists uh, some of his favourite episodes and finishes, uh, which was really interesting, actually. And he, he finishes with this rallying cry. Says, at this time, 
I would hope as a family, i.e. a mid-faith community, we remain calm as we have a greater hope and that we look to how we can impact a new AC world. Once upon a time, in times of crisis, people of faith and compassion were the ones that stood tall and supported communities. Let us all take stock of those around us. Let us be thankful we are well. Let us not hoard and not panic. Let us have a calmness about us. Let us decide to live intentionally at this time by first and foremost being attentive to the needs of people around us, whether our neighbour, friends all over the world, those working in supermarkets, healthcare or the lady walking around the supermarket looking for food with three kids hanging off her back. Let's find the moments as a family that we can deliberately show love and grace. Heck, the world needs it. Mm. And uh, that was lovely, wasn't it? I mean, he's, it was a beautiful email. Thank you so much, mate. We really appreciate it. Great sentiments. But I thought this coming out of that email, which is this. So, you know, the Olympics have been cancelled. Yeah. yeah. Formula One's been cancelled. Wimbledon's been mm. cancelled. Football was pretty much cancelled. So, Shane, I'm very sorry. And I, it does give me great pain to say this, but officially now... The Last Ashes series has been cancelled. <laughs> it's just a shame. Um, Do you know? I, I think I can't we all recognise it's not that. fair. <laughs> I cannot agree with that. I think I know where you're going. Why you're going there? But if we cancel the Last Ashes, yeah. we lose Ben Stokes winning the match oh, single-handedly. Oh yeah. Which that... actually I think is a better argument for saying that morally, we won. And in heroic terms, England won that. That is that true. Series. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Because it was drawn series, in fact, you know, I think. And yeah, so, so they only won it on the technicality. I think it was a drawn series, wasn't it? Yes, it yeah. was. Let's let's say so, it was. Uh, but, you know, if we lose that match, you know, that match, I think, oh, yeah. outrules everything, really, doesn't it? The match where technically we won the Ashes, is what you're saying. I think technically we won it forever, <laughs> based on that one performance. OK. OK, well... Um, we should move on. Yeah, I'm sorry if this is a bit long, this one. I apologise. It's going to be a long one um, because we're completely undisciplined at the moment. Uh, <laughs> but let's have this interview. Um, just to give it some setting, Dave uh, uses films, basically, yeah. to communicate. does a lot of speaking off the back of films. He comes to Lee Abbey once a week when uh, there. And some of you who were on the Lee Abbey week last time will have seen him, where he uses films mm. to talk about his faith. Yeah. So I thought it would be good, given that... Yeah. Uh, normally the only person I ever hear about films from is you. I thought it would be good to actually have somebody who knew what they were talking about. On... <laughs> that was a refreshing change. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So here we go. It's an interview I did with Dave Hopwood. Great. Great. So um, I'm here with uh, an old friend of mine, Dave Hopwood, and here at Lee Abbey in the sumptuous recording studio that is my, my bedroom, which is actually really nice. And I look at a great view down over the sea. Uh, and um, I just thought it would be good to talk about Dave. Dave is a, um, a writer and a speaker and a man with particular passion for us of modern culture and how that speaks to us, particularly films. So um, this is really, Dave, to be honest, it's to stop Joe going on about films for another week. <laughs> I thought we could just yeah. put this in instead, really. Great. I feel honoured. Yeah, good. Well, don't feel too honoured. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. Um, so tell us, firstly, a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself to the, the listener yeah, that well, we have. Uh, thank you, Nick. Yeah, thanks. Great to be part of this podcast. I'm... I've been a Christian most of my life, really, and Lee Abbey, where we are now, has played a big part in that. I was converted through coming to Lee Abbey when I was a teenager, and then I've worked here on and off for 13 years. So that shaped a lot of, uh, you know, who I am, what I believe, because you meet Christians from all over the world. Mm. 
I came here going through a midlife crisis. I came here when I was 39 and uh, that, that went on for seven years. It started three years before and it went on for about four years after. I was in a very bad place. I was angry with myself and with God and with the world, yeah. with my own inadequacies. I started drinking quite a lot. It was a bit of a, a mess, a nightmare time. But during that time, uh, someone else who worked here, who had got to know quite well, he said to me, you love films. Why don't you do little slots where you show a bit of a film and use it as a way of talking about life and faith and your struggles? Mm. Now that changed my life because now it's part of what I do yeah. actually as a job. But but it was it was a hand to help me get up again and start again. That's really interesting. Tell, take me back to that. What made you decide that Lee Abbey was the solution or, or possible path at that point in your life? Uh, what happened was I'd been working as a mime artist full time. I think that's where we first Yeah, we met, did. Yeah, yeah. We, various we, stages. Various stages of all of that drama world. Yeah. And, um, and then I just found that I, I was... I felt I was doing lots of evangelism and was no good at it. Right. You know, I'm an introvert, so I was struggling with all of that. But also I was, you know, I was just questioning everything I was doing as to whether or not it was really effective. And, and I found it very stressful. Yeah. So I stopped. And that was in 1997. And, um, and I thought the, the literary world would open up to me. And I would become this great, famous, and particularly rich writer. <laughs> and the doors just kept shutting, you know, the right. resounding yes, silence. Yes. And so I was. Oh, getting... I know that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so, you know, as time went on, I, I became more and more down because I didn't know what to do. Mm. I started doing part time jobs. I worked in a cinema, that was one of them. Right. And then, you know, we were, we were running out of money. And we loved, my wife and I both worked here as singles. And we loved Lee Abbey. And when we came here, and I was very angry, you know, talking about God having gone on holiday and all this. And some friends here said, why don't you think about coming back to work as a couple? And so, to be honest, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't like a divine Damascus Road calling. Right. It was help. We've got nothing else to do. Yeah. We need some money. Yeah. Yeah. And we love Lee Abbey. Yeah. And that was, that was what yeah. happened. And, and as an introvert, yeah. You're on community. Yeah. That's fairly challenging. It is, but I feel safe here. Yeah, Safer sure. than I do out in some places out in the wider world. It, to me, this feels like home. And I, and I feel I can be part of welcoming people to come. Right. It's, an old, it's a funny old thing with me. I don't feel so introverted when I'm yeah, actually here. Yeah. That's great. So you were on community for yeah. quite a while. And you, you were writing during that time. Is it, when well, did the Bloke's Bible come yeah, out? Like before that or during that time? Well, the bloke's bug was a result of the breakdown. Ah, okay. Because what happened was, um, I think a mutual friend, Ali Hull, both know her, she heard me doing one of my film sessions and she could probably hear the stuff that was right. coming out. Yeah. She said, have you ever thought about writing some of this down? So eventually that became what was the bloke's Bible. And what I've often said to people is, it was really me vomiting out my frustration and questions, <laughs> hopefully in a humorous way, while fictionally drinking Guinness... And yet it's the book above all others that people have said to me how, that they found yes. it helpful. Yeah, it is good. And I, I, the cover also made it look like a pint of yeah, didn't it? It was a brilliant cover. Yeah. I thought it yeah, was great. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it was a really fresh take and it, it kind of showed your inventiveness and I think your courage as well to sort of do it in a certain way. So as a, as a writer, what, what are you trying to do at the moment or what are you looking for around at the moment? 
Well, in a way, nothing much has changed in the sense that I'm always trying to find a different angle. Yeah. So a few years ago, I, you know, there's the Diary of a Wimpy Kid yeah. books. So I thought my wife jokingly said you could write a book about yourself and call it Diary of a Wimpy Christian. <laughs> and um, she was bang on because right. that's what I did. And yes. I made it a funny book about my faith and my life. Yes. Um, and I'm always, I, what I look to is what's happening in the wider world. So what can I pinch from the wider world and, and, and if you like, redo it in a mm, way that's helpful mm, for, mm. for people who want to have faith mm. and understand the Bible. Mm. So I'm constantly, I watch a lot of comedians on YouTube, just not because I'm a comedian, but because they, their little tools and devices yeah, and stories, yeah. they all feed in. So I try and avoid, to be honest, a lot of the Christian uh, yeah. world because I, I think in a, in a way that's not, you know, I want to do other things. So I watch movies, I watch TV, I look at what books are out there. And, um, you know, just try and squirrel away ideas from the world. Yeah, there's a great... Um, have you read any Austin Cleal? No. There's a great uh, uh, artist. Well, he's, not, I think he's not a great artist as a great artist. He's, he's written the th- three of the best books, I think, on creativity. Uh-huh. Um, and the first one is called Steal Like an Artist. Okay. And it's basically yes. about how what we do as artists is we... we you combine things into new ideas or you, you see science approach work somewhere yeah. else and you go... Oh, I'll try that. I mean, I did it years ago with the tabloid Bible and I've done it ever since yeah, with other yeah, things. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's not, you know, it's very different from plagiarism. It's creative kind of reshaping. Yeah, it is. And we're all yeah. inspired and sparked off by each other. So yes, yes. I, 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 I really can see that working. So tell me about what you're doing at the moment then and what really fires you up uh, creatively now. What's your passion at the moment? Um, at the moment, um, it's it's in a way much of what I've been saying already I mean films always fire me up so you know a lot of my work involves drawing on film clips and moments in film and dialogue in film but to highlight that the needs of humanity one of the things I love about films is they go into areas that some Christianity never touches. Mm. So if you show a clip about I mean just to be very basic you show a clip about someone having a nervous breakdown you can then, that gives me permission to say a bit about my crisis mm. and hopefully helps other people mm. to be honest mm. about theirs. Now, films are doing that all the time because because they're, they're, I suppose, what we might call non-Christian, but not really. But they're delving into areas of life which free you up to talk about those yes. areas. Yes. So I'm very passionate about that. Um, I'm, I'm currently... Um, I've got several book ideas that I'm trying, but I've just written a book on Job. I've rewritten Job. I called it Job Done or Job Done. <laughs> and um, started off by saying that the very problem is the title, because is it Job or Job? You yes, know, how do you say yes, it? Yes. And then the whole book, you know, about struggle and question. And I wanted to write a book that had didn't really have answers. Because if you read the book of Job, it doesn't have answers. No, it just has bantering, really, and, and, and comments right. and that yeah. sort of thing. So that's what I did. I rewrote it. It's quite a small book, but I rewrote it, but with some hopeful signs along the way, really. It is fascinating, Job, how God sweeps in at the end and doesn't answer the question. Yeah, yeah. That exactly. the book has spent 37 chapters setting yes, up. Yes, yes. And yes. it's, it's in a way, it's a joke, you know, you know, it's almost a comedic moment. Yes, yes, but it is. But it's got that, um, you know, real yes. sense of God's presence. But anyway, so that's, that's, that's really great. You would, um, before this, we were talking about culture generally. Yes, yes. And you were talking about how you really want to, how you use that or how you want to make connections between popular yes, cultures. Yes, Do you want to yes. say something about that? Well, just this week, there's two news stories that I'm going to draw upon in my forthcoming sessions. One is this great story about a boss who um, 
raised the salary of everyone who works for him. Oh, Do you know the story? Yeah, to 70k. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And he we'll did put it. a link into that story because it is. Okay. He's a Christian, isn't it? And he's inspirational. He comes from a Christian background. Uh, okay, I don't it doesn't know, say. I don't okay, know more right. Than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So tell and, the story. Sorry. Okay, so it's only that he he went for a walk with a friend who told him about her financial struggles. And he realised that the people working in his company, were, some of them would have had the same. Yeah. So he then, I think, remortgaged some of his property. He took a salary cut himself. He took a big risk and he raised everyone's salary. But what's beautiful about the story is when you read it on, you can read it on the, web, the BBC uh, website. Um, you know, some people lost weight. Some people got rid of all their debts. Uh, one guy had a, d developed a much healthier lifestyle. And although the, cri the, the critics said, oh, all your workers will become lazy, the opposite has happened and they've become more inspired. Yeah. And their lives, the knock-on effect, is what I love about that story, really. So, you know, the way that when you bless other people, yeah. it can introduce other things into their lives. So there's that. And the other new story I want to use is that comedian Joe Lysett has changed his name to Hugo Boss. <laughs> 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 because, I mean, it's a great story anyway, but he's changed it by deed poll <laughs> because the company Hugo Boss keeps suing people who use the name Boss. So what tipped it for him was there's a beer company called Boss Beer. Right. And they've written a cease and desist letter saying, stop calling your beer that, which is very expensive for this small company. Right. So he has chosen to call himself Hugo Boss because they can't presumably change that. Right. Because he's challenging that unjust yes, system. Now, again, it's a story of justice, isn't it? So those things, I'm immediately going, let's, let's, re, let's use that to yeah, think about yeah. faith and Christianity and Jesus and what he was like. So it's those kind of things that I love. I think what I like about that thing is that intentional um, approach to sort of look at news stories and say, what are these saying about the kingdom? Yeah. yeah. You know, what does this what, what does this tell me? It's almost a parable kind of thing going on there. Totally, but, yeah. But yeah. I, I love that. And that's kind of what I've been doing here this week is trying to get people, trying to encourage people to pay attention to things and see what are the connections between creation or the world or themselves or all kinds of stuff, the Bible, with their own faith. Um, and that seems to be what you're very much what you're doing. Let's move on to films. Yeah. Um, so what is it about film particularly that that really grips okay. you? Because you are, you are a film buff, quite clearly. Well, I, I, I'm cautious about that. I'm certainly not a film critic because I listen to film critics and I realise yes. I don't see film in that way. No. But um, I love story. That's where I'd start. Okay. okay. And the media of film telling stories is often... You know, there's moments in film, what, what the director's done or the way yeah. they've written the dialogue. Those things do. I bore my wife silly with stories, not only of the films, but the story behind the film. So I have a natural love for film. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a great believer that God puts things that, in our lives that we love. And so I say to people, so, you know, what do you have in your life? Maybe it's knitting or baking, because for me, it's certainly been film. Yeah. And God has now turned that into something whereby I, I, what I will do is I'll talk about a film clip or I'll show a bit of a film and then I will use it as a way of a jumping off point to talk about life. So, for example, you know, the film La La Land is, is, is a huge parable about the struggle between love and success, to be loved and to be successful. Yes. So I, sh I've, I bore people silly with that, really, because it's quite a film, really. But, um, you know, there's all kinds of films. There's action movies that I use. There's love stories. There's, um, you know, gritty dramas. They've all got moments in them. Mm. And I, what I, what's odd that I found is when you hone in on, a, like, a one-minute clip, 
it somehow becomes more powerful for people. They remember it afterwards. Right, they just, you know, because a film whizzes by yeah, two hours. Yeah. But stop, it's a bit like you were talking this morning about stopping and looking yeah, and watching. Yeah. You watch just one minute yeah, yeah. and think about one minute and it, it's actually, they become little powerful. And, and I always say to people, if I'm talking rubbish, then I pray that God will speak to you through what you see. And that is, that's proved to be true as well, really. So what, in um, terms of some of the film clips you've shown, what have been some of the most sort of powerful moments for people um powerful moments well i met i met a family here it's a few years ago now but i showed a clip from the film the green mile which is a prison drama i think uh, tom hanks tom hanks yeah. yes and this huge guy i can't remember his name now but he's got a healing power right and there's a clip i've used where he he raises a woman who's sick on a bed right. which of course when you start thinking about biblical stories where yeah, yeah. women or men are sick you know so it was an it was a very logical connection but what was lovely was um I, I, this couple came to it and then months later I met them and they said about how they'd gone home and said to their daughters, we've got to watch The Green Mile with you. Now their daughters were blown away because they wouldn't have expected that connection. And I, I can't remember now all about the family, but I think the daughters either didn't go to church anymore right. or stopped or whatever. But, you know, that was a moment that created a connection within their family yes. that came out of what I'd done. Yes. And, and in a very different way, um, I met a chap who's a missionary, yep. and he said um, that he wasn't allowed to show Christian films where he lived. And he said, but having come to my session, he knew what he was going to do. He was going to use ordinary films to talk about the good news about Jesus. Yeah, that's great. And that, for me, was one of the highlights yeah. that I've ever had, to yeah. know that someone was that inspired yeah. and thinking, I yeah. know what I can do now. I'm going to fling something difficult at you now, but um, give us... A few films that you think would have something to say to people who listen to this podcast, people who have maybe questions or in a certain their, their faith is changing or they're not sure where they're going or they're, they're certainly not sure why they're, they're not making good life choices because they're listening to this podcast for one thing. So yeah. I think that's pretty evident. <laughs> um, but, you know, no, um, people people might feel a bit um, lost. What kind of films would you think are useful for that kind of spiritual formation that's going on? Okay. Well, I mean, I've got to add the caveat that, of course, people will receive stories in different ways, yeah, won't they? Sure. So I'll offer some of these. Um, there's a great film called Cinderella Man. Russell Crowe stars as a. It's a, based on a story of Jim Braddock, who was a real boxer, but he was phenomenally successful. The depression came along, and they lost everything right. as a family. So you see him as a father struggling to get work, struggling to feed his family, loving his family. Great story that. Um, for those who don't mind a bit of swearing, there is a very good film called Calvary, which is about, it's an Irish village and an Irish priest who himself is struggling. But what's extraordinary about it is, is here's a man of faith. And I would say he's the only good person in the village and he's surrounded by dysfunctional people. Mm. And it's how he, how he responds to them, how he tries to reach out to them. But also, there's a kind of parable about Jesus in the whole story. But it's very gritty. I mean, this is life. Right. This is real, raw life. Yeah. That's Calvary. Yeah. Um, the Company Men. It's a film I've watched a few times. That's with Ben Affleck in. Don't let that put you off if you're not a Ben Affleck fan. It's about four men who work in a big company, and one by one they lose their jobs because it's the credit crunch oh, time. Right, okay. And it's how, it's how it affects them as men. You know, that's yeah, a struggle, yeah, sure. isn't it? Yeah. You know, you lose your income and your work. Yeah. Um, 
And the final film that I wanted to uh, recommend, really, is a film called About a Boy with Hugh Grant, in which he plays a quite different character from his other roles. But it's all about a man wanting to be an island. And when I watched it, it was when I was going through my crisis and I wanted to be an island. I didn't want other people. I didn't like him anymore. Right. And I really loved this, this idea of this character who was keeping everyone away. He had everything controlled in his life. And then, of course, Marcus, this schoolboy, starts to try and form a friendship and invades his life. Yes. And then what happens from there, you know. But, I, yeah, it's a film I, I continue to I, love I, 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 That's the only one I've seen out of those films. I love. I, I think it's a really great film. It's a really great performance by both... Um, yeah. Is it Nicholas? Who's Nicholas Holt, who's gone on to yeah. be a very big star yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Hugh Grant. Uh, all right, well, um, Joe obviously goes and watches films every week because he lives in, right. essentially, the land of the dead where they <laughs> they don't pay anything to go and watch films and um so he watches he watches everything i i watch films very rarely at the cinema because it, in oxford it yeah. you have to take out a small loan <laughs> in order to go and watch but if there's one recent film yeah that you think if i could i should i should have gone to see i should have paid the yeah 10 quid and gone to see what would you which one would you have recommended I mean, 1917 is on everyone's right. hit list at the moment. I would say that not, you know, the story is very straightforward, but the even if you're not into cinematography and camera work, it creates a, an incredible film experience on a big screen because right. the camera it does it all in one take. Mm-hmm. And although that perhaps just sounds like a technicality, it plunges you into the story in a very, very different way. And if you go and watch that on a big screen that will be quite... And it's also a great story of keeping going against mm. the odds. Mm. It is a great story for that, but also a visual, fantastic visual experience. And really. um, finally, what, what is it... Joe, whenever he talks about films, yeah. if, if a film has a moment of kindness in it, it reduces him to yeah. A, a, yeah. A, a sobbing heap. Me too. Is that yeah. the same for you? I mean, it I was going to ask, what moments in films really get to you? Oh, yeah. No, it's always when people you know, reach out to others or sacrifice something. Mm. You know, Cinderella Man, which I mentioned, one of the reasons I love it is there are two or three moments where he does things to help his children. Right. And I can't watch those yeah, bits, yeah. you know. They're just fantastic. Yeah, I love those moments when people do that, um, when they reach out in all kinds of ways, really, but moments of kindness. There's yeah. something about that storytelling, that medium that makes that emotional connection in a way that yeah. a few other things do, I think. Yeah, I've, I have it in theatre occasionally, you know. I often end up crying in the theatre, which is pretty tough, actually, because you're not re- you're really not supposed to cry. Are you, you not? Are well, you not? It's, it's sort of frowned upon, but I think the last few times I've been, there's a moment in... in um, I went to see the musical Hamilton. I don't know if you've... Uh, yeah, I know of it. of it, yeah. And it has this remarkable song... Um, about when he has really messed up and he's lost all his career and it's about him and his wife and and um, their their son has died and all this kind of stuff going on and it's partly down to him and he and his wife rebuilding their relationship together um, and it's all about forgiveness. Yes, yes, And, yes. you know, I'm just in floods at that point. It's, but other people must surely as well. Well, they? I they guess touch? I don't know. I didn't notice them. Okay. I do have these... Yeah, moments. Yeah. I once yeah. went to see. I had it in Mamma Mia. Funnily enough, you, which one? The, the second first one. one. The first. No, one. I had it in the second oh, one. Oh, did you? Oh my goodness! I was so glad the lights were down. I just kept thinking, I hope the woman next to me can't feel my seat shaking. <laughs> I was trying to keep it together. Oh dear. Yeah, what, what, I'll, I'll tell you my moment. You yeah, no, sure. So okay. my moment in Mamma Mia was 
there's a bit where uh, she sings uh, Slipping Through My Fingers where she's getting oh, her daughter ready for the wedding oh, yeah. and I have three daughters and yeah. it's kind of like and I was because we'd arrived late at the, the cinema we weren't all sitting together we went as a family yeah. but they were yeah. all off the other four were off somewhere else and I was sitting in the middle of a group of middle aged women and there were two moments one, one when Pierce Brosnan took his shirt off and all these women around me as one went, they, all, they went oh as one and then the other moment when I'm sitting watching slipping, uh, slipping through my fingers and I am sobbing and these that you could sense yeah. them edging slightly away from me at this point but yeah. it, that uh, just got I only me. have to hear that on the radio yeah. that song as well we're it's coming a brilliant up lyric it's yeah. amazing yeah. Lyric. Yeah. so what's your bit in Mamma Mia 2 well do you know it's, it's in a way it's harder to define it started very early on and it wasn't the kind of tears because something was was moving in the way you've described. I grew up with the songs from ABBA, and one of the ones I've always loved is a song called "When I Kiss the Teacher." Okay, yes, yes. now for me that's a great joyful song, and suddenly I saw it being acted out on the screen, oh, wow. and the joy I felt I had this unusual emotion of feeling so full of joy and so full of emotion, and it started me off. And it's I can't amazing. describe it. It was swelled up inside of me. And again, you know, if we talk about God, I just thought, wow, this is a great God moment. Yes. You know, great. this is a moment where life is so good. Yes. It's moved me. Yeah. You know, it was. And that. it's ridiculous, isn't it, really? Because thinking about yeah. those two films and, and one we often talk about here on Paddington 2, we talk ah, about yeah. thing, They're ludicrous. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> the plots of both Mamma Mia films are just completely <laughs> yeah, are. stupid. Yeah, yeah. And yet yeah. somehow through the grace of God the completely stupid can give us these moments of, of, yeah, of yeah. real connection oh, yeah total there was a great um, speech from Brad Pitt he's been winning a lot of awards lately mm. and he gave this I've got, I've got this little brilliant bit of his uh, award speech where he says this he says as actors we know loneliness and pain we know wisdom and grace we know ridiculousness and funny and we bring all of that to the screen and I thought that's what we bring to our faith. I love that little moment, especially ridiculousness and funny. Because yeah. as men, we know what it is yeah. sometimes to be ridiculous, yeah. don't we? But we bring all of that, you know, and I thought, you captured that there. That's a brilliant moment to say that, you know. That's, so that, that's a great, that's a great that's thought, to leave it. It's been yeah. a, a joy uh, talking to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great to be here. Well, there we go. That was me speaking to Dave Hopwood uh, three or four weeks ago. BC, before coronavirus. Yeah, that was brilliant. Really well done. I mean, I, I, I must have interested you because obviously you are you are the film buff. Here. Well, I love films. I don't, I don't wouldn't call myself a buff, but I do love films. Yeah, I love well, films. you're not buff, certainly, but <laughs> you're, you're a buff. Um, what what struck you sort of out of it, really, in terms of the the touching on films? Well, I think uh, I, there were there are lots of things, but I, I mean, a I just love you know I love hanging out with creatives. I never think of myself as particularly creative, but I love the way they they use they see the opportunities and springboards to talk of things, and that's something I really love about Dave Hotwood, the way he uses films in presentations, and you know mm. I think that's brilliant. But but also I just it was interesting when you mentioned the kindness thing that that was the thing that also got to him. Mm. So I thought it was really, really interesting. And I just, you know, the interview starts as they do. First of all, you set it up. But I thought that towards the end, you know, I could I could feel both of you getting really passionate. And, re you know, as you were talking about Mamma Mia and that sort of oh, stuff, yeah. you know, which is it's not cool, is it, as a man to be so moved by Mamma Mia? But I was not so much the first film, the second film, you know, it, you know, almost from the start. And I think for me in the second film, it was that you, you were so glad to see 
these faces again. You, you were mm. so glad to be transported back to that lovely, warm, sunny island where mm. you know, it was just, yeah, no, it's great. I think what interested me was that, that what moved him in Mamma Mia 2 was the sense of connection with his youth. Yeah. With something he'd lost, as it were, or he'd forgotten about, yeah. maybe. Or, um, and that's why, I've, I think I've talked about this before, that's why I love the Marvel films. You know, I think they've gone yes. on a bit long. But, but because yeah. they, they were doing, to, they were rekindling in me something that started when I was like six or seven, when yeah. I discovered comics. Yeah. And I felt like that again. Yeah. And anything that can make you feel the joys of another yeah. time... I think uh, it's, it's, it's so powerful. It's really. interesting. Yeah. And, I, it, and I will say this as a comment, really, and not so much on Dave Hopwood, but, you know, when, when it became clear that this, this new kind of realm of self-isolation kicks in, I thought, oh, do you know what? I'll, I'll actually watch some box sets. I'll catch up on some things. Like, I've never seen Line of Duty. And I thought, there's right. all sorts of gritty thrillers and things. And you know what? I don't think I can take gritty thrillers no, that i just no. don't i don't want to watch anything i want to watch disney and yes. you know happy in fact i watched aladdin the other day the, oh, the new oh, live action one it is absolutely brilliant i don't care what you say it's just totally oh the live action good. one sorry i thought you meant yeah the, no the live yeah, action yeah. i mean the, the okay, animation yeah. one's brilliant but the live yeah. action one was just really good fun so and I think we, we talked about The Blind Side with Sandra Bullock recently. You know, I kind of want to watch that again, although it makes me weep openly. Uh, if you haven't seen if you haven't seen The Blind Side, watch it. I'm just going to say one line from it. Turn the car around. That's it. Okay. Some some listeners will understand that. But you're, yeah, that's, that's it. You're, you've just developed a secret club within the listeners. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I feel excluded. Oh, listen. And then you finished by talking about a boy. I love yes. that movie. That's such a great... In fact, Hugh Grant has really come into his own recently, hasn't he? Do you not think? Yes. I mean, like, yes. Paddington 2, absolutely brilliant. A very English scandal, you know, the one about uh, uh, Jeremy Thorpe. That was absolutely brilliant. Florence Foster Jenkins, that was brilliant. So some actors sort of, you know, don't do so well with age. But uh, he, to me, he's an actor that's just getting better and better, actually. There you are. Yes, it's a controversial I thing. And I want him to be Prime Minister and I want him to stand up to the President and I want him to dance to Girls Aloud. Well, there you are. That is also what films do, is they show us the world that we want to live in. Don't we? Yeah. I want to live in a town where there's people like uh, yeah, um, uh, Jimmy Stewart's character in uh, It's a Wonderful yes. Life. I want, yes. I want that. Yeah, um, I so they, we, they, I think that we, they make us nostalgic for times that haven't been, basically. You right. know, and uh, you know that, that's what art, great art can do. It can give us this sense. Actually, yeah. I think it's doing something very profound because it's giving us a sense of the world as it should be. Really, um, yeah. You know, in, and and it can do that through the most ludicrous things, through Paddington Two, or you know, th through um, uh, Aladdin, right. through any kind of thing. Right. Know. So I I want emails from from all our dear listeners this week because I know mm. we've gone on to way too long this time. So I apologise for that. But here's here's the thing, listeners. Please help me out here. If there is one film that you would recommend to all other listeners to watch during this time of self-isolation, what would it be? Send that film title yes, to that's a great idea. Joe, yeah. J-O-E, at midfaithcrisis.org. Uh, and uh, we will we will do a list. And yep. knowing Nick and I will probably talk about it. <laughs> and I've already prescribed one man, two governors. It's on for a week. Uh, so yes. watch it this week. 
I'm going to do that. It's joyous, absolutely joyous. I am going to do it. I'm going to arrange for others to watch it at the same time. And then we can Zoom each other. Wonderful. Good. All right. Well, we really should wrap up. Uh, Joe, I hope you have a, a better week. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you feel okay. Yeah. Uh, love you, man. So uh, yeah, you stay, too, uh, everybody stay safe. Yeah. Stay home. Stay sane. And stay listening to the podcast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a T-shirt over that one. <laughs>